Very good. Okay. I was all set to watch Harvest Now video, which was going to be super exciting. And so all I will say is make sure that date is in your calendar. It is from the 27th to the 29th. Very good. I'm like here and I like doing lip reading here. Um, 27th to the 29th of October. Put it in your diaries now. This is something you do not want to miss. Our Harvest Now um, school. We can use the word school because this is way more than a conference. This is an intensive time, um, full of the prophetic, full of encountering God, evangelism, and this is going to be a life-changing um, school that you want to be part of. So make sure that's in your diary. <coughs> Excuse me. And next week we will have the video that you can all watch. All right, let's just pray, and then we're going to drive straight into the Word of God this morning. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. God, we thank you for your work in our lives. God, we thank you for the work you're continuing to do and the work you're going to do. And God, I just thank you that you love to carry things to completion. Father, we just give you permission to come and speak into our lives today. Holy Spirit, I just ask you just to open um, and just reveal the word of God to us today, that it will just come into us like uh, just that living word of God, not just stuff that we hear in our minds, God, but that we take into our hearts and that transforms us. Jesus, we just thank you, and we just give you all the glory today. Amen. All right, let's just dive into the Word of God. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning, and we're just going to start with a small portion of what I think is the, and I'm sure you will agree, the greatest story that has ever been told. Now, just in case you get a bit confused, it isn't Christmas, and we're not quite there yet. There's actually 19 weeks to go, 19 weeks today. Christmas is on a Sunday. So yeah, maybe start getting prepared. All right, let's look at Luke 2, and we have a PowerPoint here, so you can follow on the screen, or if you want to look it up in your Bible or on your device, you're welcome to do that. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. Isn't that just an amazing statement that is released by the angels there. So one minute you have the shepherds just doing their job, looking after their sheep, probably protecting them from the wild animals that might have been lurking around at night time. So they're just busy minding their own business, minding their sheep. And then in the next moment, their lives are just forever changed. See, the story is remarkable because I think, first of all, isn't it incredible that God chose to bring the best news ever, like to release it first of all to shepherds, like out of anybody he could have ever chosen, he chose this, this group of shepherds. What incredible privilege they carried. And they were the first ones to get to meet Jesus. Amazing. And the second thing that I find incredible about this story is the suddenness of this moment I can imagine kind of God up in heaven with the angels, Father God going, okay, everybody, watch what I'm about to do. And then suddenly, you know, this group of angels, this mess of angels, they're delivering the message of God. Now, the thing that strikes me with this story is the suddenness of this, but in the suddenness, there is hope released in one moment. You know, the words that the angels spoke were just so supercharged with hope. 
hope for those shepherds, but hope for the whole world, everybody who's ever lived and everyone who's going to live. You know, God's character and his salvation plan for humanity was set in place in that announcement. You know, 400 years before that, 400 years of silence, like there was no um, word of God that we are aware of that was um, spoken at that time, no scripture written, and oppression, and then suddenly God interrupts that, and he says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And I was thinking too about our theme for this year of let there be light. You know, those first God's words that God spoke over this planet when it came into creation, let there be light. Once again, those words are supercharged with hope. When light is released, there is hope. See, the powerful yet often unreasonable and hard to get our heads around truth about the kingdom of God is that there is always hope. No matter how hopeless things may look, there is hope. Now, a few weeks back, Glenn talked about how our identity can only really truly be found um, when we know the identity of Father God. And so today we're going to look a little bit more about who God is. And so today's message, if you're taking notes, is simply called the God of all hope. And for me, this has actually been a big part of the transformation process for me. So almost daily, like I try and do a daily gratitude thing before I go to sleep at night, where I just think of 10 things I'm thankful for. And almost daily, hope features in my gratitude list. And the reason it's so profound for me is because I've walked in the opposite of that. I've walked in hopelessness. So the, um, the other side, hope, is just so incredible. Um, I'm just going to really quickly just dive into my story a little bit. I know a lot of you have already heard um, a, a number of parts of my story, but I just want to share a little bit more um, because I can really look back and see the ways that God has for me um, worked out through this process of journeying through pain. He's worked out hope in my life. So most of you will have heard me share about how in my early 20s um, I had an anxiety disorder that came on really sudden and it was very crippling at the time. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but just to say by the grace of God, um, through health professionals and the love and support of family, um, God actually led me through that quite quickly. It was a short-lived episode of that um, time of anxiety. But in the middle of it, the overwhelming feelings were just of utter hopelessness. It just was like everything I had dreamed of, everything I was doing was suddenly like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it just felt like my dreams crumble in a heap around me. There was this feeling of would life ever go back to normal? Um, even like would I ever be able to have kids? Like that was one of my biggest dreams. And um, would I ever be able to work again? Absolute hopelessness. Um, but on that day, there was a particular day, I can remember exactly where I was, where I felt like I'd hit rock bottom. And on that day, I had this sudden, tangible realization that although I felt like I was at rock bottom, actually underneath me was the rock. Jesus Christ was still holding me. And in that moment, I just had the most pure sense of unconditional love that I'd ever known. Now, there was still a big journey ahead, but I had encountered that unconditional love of God. And to this day, no one can take that away from me. You know, my 20s were filled with some of the best moments of my life. Like, that was when we got married. Um, I graduated as a nurse, gave birth to this wonderful first um, creature over here. This our oldest child. <laughs> we had twins as well. Um, Brie, you also feature an amazingness, but I was 30 when I had you. So, you know, talking about my 20s. 
but there was also a lot of pain and amongst all of those incredible things and a lot of rewiring and you all know that scripture in Romans 12 that says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and I had to do a whole lot of that. So I had a great upbringing, but that doesn't take away from the fact that sometimes we still have this big healing journey to go on in our souls. So after God had um, helped just with the anxiety disorder, there was you know a little bit of time and then just these massive feelings of rejection, of loneliness, of not being good enough, um, just started to come to the surface and in quite an overwhelming way as well. And underneath all of this was this yuck thing called self-hatred, which some of you may be a little bit familiar with. And once again, feeling really stuck in that and hopeless. It was just quite yuck. Um, and one of the things, just to be a bit real, that I tried to do to kind of medicate the pain of that was just to cling to people, um, to hold on tightly to them, to kind of try and get my worth from people. I put my hope in, in friendships and being connected, um, but there was always that emptiness. Once again, God continued to keep healing and transforming my heart. So the point of this, there's many different points I could bring out, but the one I want to bring out today is that God is has the ability and loves to do this wonderful thing where he does this 180 degree turnaround in our lives, where he turns the areas of pain in our lives into good. And, you know, Des, um, you would have heard him say before, he talks about God turning our mess into our message. And for me, my message today is that God has taken me from a place of hopelessness to hope, to that place of assurance that God is the God of all hope. Today, over your life and over your situation too, I just want to prophesy that God is your God of all hope today. He is hope over your life. You know, hope made it to the big three in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, where um, Paul's writing, he says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. He says, the greatest is love, which we know all about that one. We talk a lot about faith and love, but I think that hope is something that we don't kind of talk about so much. And I think sometimes it can seem a little bit more emotional, maybe slightly less spiritual than the others. But the Greek word for hope in this passage means, well, it means hope, but other words around it is expectation, trust, and confidence. See, hope is way more than a feeling. It is a way to position ourselves, and it requires an action on our part. So we're just going to look at a few scriptures today um, just to kind of really cement this in for us to bring more understanding. So let's start by looking at Romans 5. And this is like the start goes, this is hard, and then it gets better. Okay, so Romans 5 verses 3 to 5. Just going to do a little portion of it. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's like we said, hope is tangible, but it's often worked out in our sufferings or through our sufferings. And that doesn't feel so nice. But it's something that we need to take hold of and bring into every situation in our lives. And I want to remind you today, like this verse says, that through our suffering, on that day that requires perseverance as our character is being refined, Hope is like a spiritual superpower. It's like this true grit that can remain by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Hope doesn't let us down. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts, we have hope. 
Romans 15 says, May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the God of all hope. You know, hope without the Holy Spirit, without God, is actually nothing more than a wish. It's just kind of like wishful thinking. But Holy Spirit-fueled hope means this. Hope equals the optimistic anticipation of the Father's goodness in our lives. So that takes it from something that is just like, oh, I hope that I might be able to do this, or I hope that this happens, to hope being placed in the fact that our Father is good over our lives. So how do we find hope? The first thing to say is hope is not dependent on the situations we are facing. It can't be. For our hope to be resilient, for it to be entwined with that faith and love, like we talked about those three greatest things in 1 Corinthians 13, our expectations must rest upon the goodness of our Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling defeated, if you're feeling overwhelmed or maybe just bored with life today, there is fresh hope for you today. There is fresh hope to be found in the Holy Spirit today. Now we're going to just look at this really cool passage of Scripture um, in Exodus 33 and 34. But before chapter 33, um, a lot of you will know this story that Moses has brought the people out of Egypt. They've received the Ten Commandments. Um, and in chapter 32, though, while Moses is up the mountain having this incredible encounter with God, some of the people are down below have fashioned a golden calf and they're worshipping this thing. So all of that's happened in chapter 32, and there's some pretty big nasty consequences that happened, but then followed these amazing verses in chapter 33 and 34. So I've just got some of them here, so it might be easier just to follow along with the PowerPoint. Um, chapter 33, starting in verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. He's talking to God, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Then flick into chapter 34. God said to Moses, be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now that is just such an incredible verse where God is describing to Moses who he is. He's describing his character attributes to Moses. And he says this after the people have worshipped a golden calf. This is actually the first description of God's character that's in the Bible. And it's actually the most referenced passage in the whole Bible, apparently. And, you know, this is different than the way that I might describe, say, Liam's um, character. I might say Liam is loyal and he's faithful, he's dependable, and he is kind. Like I could just describe his character like that. Or maybe, I'll pick on you, Abby, because you're in the front row. I might show, if I was, you know, filling out a, um, a reference for Abby, I might sh say that she shows, shows strength, not that I would be able to because I'm your mother, but if I did. 
She shows strength in, in her kindness. She shows strength in her ability to listen to people. She shows, shows strength and empathy. So, you know, that is amazing things about these two, and that's all true. Um, but this is more than that. It's not just the way we describe attributes of, this pe of these people. This is actually who God is. This is him. He is love. He is compassion. He is faithfulness. And I just want us to take some time to look at the Hebrew word for um, loyal love, which is found um, in this passage, or we read it as abounding in love. And I'm not going to quite get the pronunciation right, but it is something like hesed. So we're actually going to take um, a look at a little video clip that's going to explain this a little bit more, and then we will talk about it a wee bit more in a moment. Are we good to go? If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth, Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man, but tragically her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob, so God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, 
God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist that's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, and then 26 times repeats, his chesed is forever. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't that just such a cool representation of God's character? And, um, you know, the fact I especially kind of stood out to me when Moses, when they kind of showed the little picture of Moses standing praying for the people and it said that God, God remembered and forgave them because of his hesed. And, you know, they had done a whole lot of things that they shouldn't have done. They had basically, you know, turned their back on God and complaining and moaning, but actually it's not dependent on them. It was never dependent on them. And it, like it's not dependent on us. It's because of his character. So like it said there, that word hesed is complicated to translate but loyal love in action is a good definition. And the Strong's Bible Concordance also uses the word goodness to help us translate that word. Another example of it is in Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. This is what Yahweh says. This passage says, Let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh who exercises mercy, and that word there is hesed, justice and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares Yahweh. So this word hesed is pivotal to God's character. The kind of love that God has for each one of us today is that loyal, faithful, devoted, love and action kind of love. It's magnificent. And his very nature and character over you today is this kind of love. And it's because of this nature, it's because of this character that we can have hope today. But you see, this kind of love is rooted in loyalty and devotion. And the only way to really know and experience this is if you believe in the one you're in allegiance with. It's putting our faith in him. Bill Johnson talks about hope like this. Hope is the soil that faith grows in. Yielding to the purposes of God and more specifically yielding to the word of God creates the pathway of great hope in faith. Hope has to have a foundation, and that foundation is the goodness of God. A person without hope has either lost sight of his goodness or was never convinced in the first place. Ouch. See, in all honesty, I'm going to get a bit real for you, with you guys now. Before I went through those struggles in my 20s and some of the issues that, um, and the losses that we journeyed through after that, my hope wasn't in the character of God. My hope was in the good things that he would do for me. Or, um, yeah, actually, I had a wrong theology that because I belonged to God, and I don't remember anyone teaching me this. This is just what I took on. Because I belonged to God, bad things just wouldn't happen. Or if they did happen, that I'd just be rescued out of it um, straight away, or yesterday preferably. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that as followers of God that we'll escape all that stuff. Actually, it kind of says the opposite. Um, 
So life is actually about doing the journey through the trials with God, and in that we learn to trust him and to find hope. Few more scriptures. Psalm 42, verse 5. So we'll just go through these quickly. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. See, the first way for us to walk in hope, to truly walk in hope, is that we have to be intentional with our hope. We've got to be intentional and where we're placing it and we have to place it in God. Believe in the one you're in allegiance with. We can't live off someone else's hope, just like we can't live off someone else's faith or their anointing or the experiences. We have to get to know God for ourselves. The second way to walk in hope is to place our hope in his word and his promises and the scripture is full of them. Psalm 130 verse 5, here's just an example. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Romans 15, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. He is faithful to his words. But one of the biggest keys um, for me in my life has been actually getting the word of God in. Um, one of the biggest keys, and I think actually one of the verses I really clung to in my 20s was that first one, why my soul are you downcast? Why disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So something that I have done is define the verses um, that really speak to those promises of God for my life and to meditate on them literally day and night. So spend time in his word, get to know who he is, understand his nature and study the scriptures um, that reveal who he is. Let the word of God do its work in your life because it is living and active. We know that verse, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it has the power to transform our lives. The third way to walk in hope is to build our testimony history. You know, to really walk in hope, it's not just enough to know about hope. We actually need to experience it for ourselves. And sometimes you might be able to say, but where, where have I seen that hope in my life? Where have, I, where have I seen God at work? Sometimes we just need to actually stop and take time to be with God and just remember the things he's done, both the little things as well as the bigger things. You know, like I said before, hope is built as we do the journey of life together with God. And it's built as we see the miracles that he does, but it's also built as we walk the process of the journey of life with him. We find hope. So we need to dig our own well of hope, and we need to just keep digging those as we, as we dwell on the things that he's done. Bring to mind those things. Write them down. Remember the stories. If you can't think of any for yourself, go to the Word of God and grab those stories, those testimonies. Just build your testimony bank of what he's done. Lamentations, Jeremiah um, says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, Jeremiah in that passage is remembering God's faithfulness. He's calling to mind God's love, and within that, he's finding hope. You know, in this time that we live, in the season that we've just walked through, we need to carry hope more than ever before. We need to be able to be ones that release hope to other people. 
We need to carry the hope of the good news of the gospel, that kind of hope that is not found in circumstances or situations. We have a world, you know, like people in our own sphere and people just out in the world that need to know the hope of God. There are so many people who are carrying around hopelessness at the moment. And we need to be those ones who can reveal the nature of who God is and what he's done. Share your testimonies, share your hope stories with other people. Now, over our world today, God is speaking those words that we started with. He's speaking, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. God is saying, Jesus has come. He is your hope. And over your life today, over every single life in here today, God is saying, do not be afraid. Behold, I have good news over your life. I have hope over your life today. And just invite the band um, to come on up as well as we just draw to a close. So my question today is, where is your hope at today? Are you walking in hope today? And there might be some people here who are feeling a bit tired and weary in that journey. And Isaiah 40 says this. It says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fail and full, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. See, our strength, our energy is renewed as we hope in God. God has fresh hope for you today. Their optimistic anticipation of Father's goodness in your life. Let's just stand um, right now in this moment. I just want to pray over everybody and particularly if you're just knowing that you need a release of hope in your life today, then I want to pray for you. And so I just wonder if we would just kind of get just ready to receive from the Holy Spirit right now, just believing for a transaction of hope to be released in your life today. If you can really relate to this this morning and you just know that you need that fresh just encounter with the hope of God, with His nature even today, then would you just put your hand on your heart and we're just going to pray together. Holy Spirit, you're just so welcome here today. We just welcome the fullness of who you are and of everything you want to do. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you lead us into all truth, that you lead us to Jesus, and Jesus, you lead us to the Father, and you show us who the Father is, and and we thank you for that. And right now, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your revelation just flowing through this place. Father, the things that we've talked about, about your character, that you're abounding in love, that you're slow to anger, that you're so faithful, that you're so good. God, we just want to know in an even greater way. We want to know your character, to understand your character for ourselves, to know this in our hearts. And God, over every person that's just wanting to receive hope today, over every person in this room and watching online, Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now just for an infusion of your hope into every life, God. 
over every family, Jesus. I just thank you for hope being released by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, would you reveal what we need to know about the character of God too, what we need to know in our own individual situations. Would you just make that so clear and so real in our hearts today? We receive more of you today. God, we receive more of who you are. We receive you. We receive your hope today. And I just want to pray these words from Romans 15 over you as well. Just keep receiving. I pray that the God of all hope will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus.